Uh, Father, during um, this Christmas season, uh, Lord, I pray that we cannot get away um, from your incarnation. Lord, we, there's lots of um, holiday things and um, Christmas, but Father, we, um, but hopefully we can't get away from um, that you incarnated yourself uh, during the season and that we celebrate that. And, um, and we want to talk today about what that means. And so, Lord, I pray um, that as we get, um, we are seven days away uh, from one of the most um, hopeful times of the year, one of the times that we look forward to the most, Lord, that we would um, not stop uh, meditating on and accepting what you have done for us and for that to be transformative in our lives. So, Father, this morning, uh, would you teach us as we speak uh, into your truth and as we speak to one another and pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat> So um, what we're going to talk about today uh, is the incarnation. I want to talk to you a little bit about it as it relates to um, God associating with us. Um, And so the first, uh, so we're going to answer hopefully three questions. The first is this idea of like what he did, like what what happened in the incarnation and why should should we care? Uh, What it meant for him right? Like as he made that choice, right? To come and then that particular way and then what it means for us. Uh, so often I think we, um, we, we view Christmas in lots of lenses, but a lot of times we don't take the, we don't take the time to say, okay, so what does it mean that God did this? Uh, and what does it mean as I uh, seek to live based upon that truth? So, um, has anybody ever uh, has anybody ever associated with you um, in a meaningful way? What I mean by that is, has anyone in your life come to say, "I'm going to be in your life that didn't have to be"? Show of hands. Have you had people in your life that said, "Hey, I'm going to be in your life, and I don't have to be in your life"? They've chosen to associate with you. Okay. And so for most of you, I hope it looks like there's just a few. Is that true? Or you don't like raising your hand? There's only a few people that that's happened? Okay. So it looks like still, after making fun of you, still only a few. Um, When someone associates with you, that is a gift. All right? Because because of uh, all the reasons why you don't associate with other people, Right, they've chosen to associate with you. They've broken down those barriers and they said, hey, I'm choosing to be in um, someone's life. In the, um, in the 8th century BC, the, uh, the, the prophet Isaiah gave the following prophecy in Isaiah 7:14, And he says, therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. And here's the sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call his name Emmanuel. Later, Matthew wrote in the late 50s, early 60s, in Matthew 1.23, and I'll, um, we'll have that verse up here, but I'll read a little bit before that. Verse 20 of Matthew chapter 1, And when he had considered this, and this is talking of Joseph, um, Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. 
uh, chapter, uh, verse 23, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a, a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. This is from Isaiah 7.14. Which translates mean, means God's with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife, but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So going back in reference, the name Jesus, when he says, Behold, um, Back in verse 21, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus means salvation. When we, when we look at this idea of Emmanuel, God with us, right, we want to be open to the understanding that this means much more than just that God is with us in a, um, in a general way, but he has chosen to do this in a specific way and it matters. Uh, I want you to uh, think about, has has Jesus or has God in the Old Testament um, brought people, uh, raised up people or brought people to himself in such a way that was not uh, in this way? Like think about that God had, could have brought uh, this person in so many different ways, right? But chose to bring him, right, as a person and as a baby. So what does that mean if he chose to do this so specifically? I want you to turn, uh, turn one more place to John chapter 1. <clears throat> and we're going to look at verses 14, 17, and 18. So in John's gospel, uh, which is written, uh, written towards the end of the first century, he's looking back on how he should present um, Jesus right as this... Um, as this king uh, that has come to us. So he's looking at a more, much more of a theological bent. And then when he, uh, the part, if you are familiar with John, that talks about in, in John 1, that the word was God, he was with God. And it talks about all of the things that he was involved in and how he was from creation and that, he, um, and that in him was life and life was the light of men. We get to, Verse 14, and he says this, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And the word here um, is the same word that we use for tabernacle, right? And it's basically he pitched his tent among us or he moved next door, right? He is here with us intentionally and for a purpose. And I want to think about the idea that we have as it relates to um, when we choose to associate with people, we in this culture are busy people that have finite um, time, but unlimited resources. And so we struggle to associate for lots and lots of different reasons. And so what I want um, you to do for kind of a first activity is I want you to, um, to take, uh, to talk around your table about um, what, what it looks like to associate with someone that you don't know, okay? So I want you to think about all the factors because each of you have people in your life and you are consistently choosing against associating with them. I know you have these conversations, right, with yourself. Hey, this is a person that I should get to know. This is a person that I should spend more time with, but over and over again, we talk ourselves out of it, right? Yes. And so I want you to um, just spend a minute talking about what are the factors involved in me choosing not to associate with people in my life, okay? So take a minute to do that. All right, so 
uh, John 1.14, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. So John 1 is talking about that the, the incarnate Word that brought uh, things into existence, the power through which um, life was life, right, decided to come and dwell with us for some particular reason. And it says that we saw His glory, right, we saw God's glory in human form as the only begotten, full of grace and truth. That is characterized, uh, that is how he was characterized. We follow up then in verse 17, for the law was given through Moses, grace and truth were realized through Jesus Christ. So part of the reason that he is incarnated, right, is for us to have not just a, um, an other picture, right, vicariously live through others as they are obedient to the law, through his people many times, people were obedient, that they were able to see what it looked like, Right to love to live and to love as Christ, but there was something missing. And so what we see here in verse 17 is that whatever was missing was then fully realized in the person of Jesus. Right? That whatever there whatever wherever there was a disconnect, right, and we see this throughout his teaching that there was lots of things that we didn't quite understand. Wherever there was a disconnect, Jesus was trying to put the rest of that right to give us clarity. And then he finishes up, we'll finish up in verse 18. And no one has seen God at any time, the only begotten God who is in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And so this last part is an important part about the incarnation is that without the incarnation, we don't have a full special revelation of Jesus Christ. Right? We don't know exactly right what it looks like to live in a dependent, healthy, ongoing right relationship with the Father also led by the Holy Spirit. So as we, as we see this, I want you to take away this idea of association that, that he is doing this also for the point so that you will know that that is what you are supposed to do with others. Right? Against all the reasons that you have for not doing so, he has more. And so I want to hear from you what are, and I, and I anticipate these are going to be universal, just popcorn around because these are so prevalent, we know them so well. What are the reasons why we struggle to associate with others? Just throw them out to me. Say again. It can be uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I just don't like these people. Absolutely. Very good. Other, others. We don't have time. We don't think we have time. What else? They're needy. Yes. <laughs> Say again. It takes work. A couple more. Inconvenient. Anything else? I'm introverted, right? The, this word, it has helped us out a ton. It's, it's an awesome excuse. I want you to uh, turn one last place to Philippians 2, um, 3 through 11. And we're going to look at, um, so this is the place where we are uh, walked through the reasoning uh, behind Christ's attitude of incarnation, right? His attitude of association. Um, I have, uh, some of you have watched the uh, the show, The Chosen, yes? Anybody heard of the show? Um, I encourage you to watch it. I haven't watched it in a while, but over the last week or so, I've been in 
I've been had some downtime and have watched a couple episodes. And a lot of those episodes are uh, dealing with kind of the, uh, they've been with Jesus a while, and a lot of it is just kind of uh, an, ways in which they may have personally interacted, right? It is the association and the ugliness of people living and working together, right? Look, even, even unified in vision, they are, they are struggling to do that together, right? To associate as he associates with them, but it's in the midst of him doing that with them that they learn, right? That we are not, that God is not asking us, right, to be amazing at this, but he is asking us to look to the attitude that he has so that we can learn from him and do better. Amen? So let's look at Philippians 2, 3 through 11. And so Paul starts with some instruction first, and he says this, do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. So he is raising a bar for us, right, as followers of Christ, that he needs you to understand that the things that we do, the way that we, um, that we schedule our time, right, the things that we give ourselves to, the people that we chase after, right, that we're supposed to do those things um, not out of selfishness or empty conceit. He goes on, but with humility of mind, regard one another better than yourself. As Americans, we are taught that you're, a, you're an individual, right? You have rights and privileges, and don't let anyone take those away from you. And sometimes that's helpful, right? It helps us live the American life. But when we see this idea, but of, with humility of mind, regard one another as more important to yourselves, that really is an antithesis to how we make our schedules, is it not? When we look at Paul's words here, uh, and when we think about what Jesus did, we don't want to divorce those things. He's not telling you to do something that he didn't do. In this age of need for authenticity, Jesus is the most authentic person that has ever lived. That he's never telling you what to do without showing you how to do it. He's never telling you to do something that he didn't do himself. And so we need to think about, because my attitude, right, is the issue with associating with others. That is the issue. Anybody think it's something different than your attitude? (laughs) Let's continue. Verse 4. Do not merely look out for your personal interests. He assumes that we're going to do that, but also the interests of others. So often as when we think about associating and pursuing others, that it's, it is lack of time because I've used up so much of my time for myself, right? That I, I'm not looking to add any more time. But also for the interests of others, that has to be taken into account of our time. Verse 5, have this attitude in yourselves, which is also in Christ Jesus. Now here is where we, then he's saying that's his attitude, but then he's going to show us and remind us of the, the decisions he made and the attitude that he had towards us by choosing to incarnate himself. Verse 6, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself. Right here is what I can take hold of, and I'm choosing to let it go. 
I have every right to do this. I have every right to make my own schedule. I have every right to do the things that I do, and yet he's choosing not to for your sake. He took the form of a bondservant, which was different from the form that he could have taken. And he was made in the likeness of men. Verse 8, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. And I don't want us to skip over this idea, right, that he became obedient, right, to our needs. And he became so obedient to that, right? It's not like he just had decided to die, right? But in the obedience that he gives to us, he did it to the point of that that was not, right, beneath him. That there was no point of obedience that he wouldn't go to to reach us, to associate with us, to engage us, to preach to us, to heal us, to lead us. Verse 9, it's for this reason God highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow of those who are on heaven and earth and under the earth, and that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. God proved himself that he loved us in the obedience, right, that he showed us. See, the attitude of him is that you are better than me. And we, we know this to be the second greatest command. We know this to be the golden rule. We know it, but we, I don't think, have an expectation of living this very much. Amen? But when we're reminded of the incarnation, how hard is it to be vulnerable with others in your life? Is there anything more vulnerable than a baby? <laughs> that the God of the universe would put himself in man's hands? Oh man, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> in a few short days, we will try to bring a child into this world and... Uh, and it will be very vulnerable, and it will be very dependent. But I don't know if you have no, noticed this. The people around you are really vulnerable, and they're really dependent. And they need godly people in their lives, and you're the only one that can get to them. Your lack of association with them. has them missing something very important in their lives. To get more personal, as we sit here gathered as a group, this community could do a lot better job of that amongst themselves as well. See, if you thought it was hard to associate out there, right, in here we really have no excuse. We all know that the folks in here are trying to seek the Lord at least at some level. The Lord tells us even in this space that we need to learn to love one another before we of the people that we see, of the people that we have access to before we can even try to love people out there. Right? How we will love one another right, shows how we are his disciples because it's in here right, that these are the people that we know, that these are the people that it's easiest to um, kind of not quite associate with. Like I see you, but I'm not going to know you. So I need you to be really honest with yourself because until we can do that, 
and make effort for that in the church, we're not going to make really any effort uh, or headway out there in the world. And so here is a, um, here's what I'm going to push into. <clears throat> that many of us have this, this kind of attitude that, um, of how you define yourself and how we define ourselves separate us from one another. And so here are some things that I think we do that with. And so I'm going to speak into this, and this is squarely aimed at myself as well. But Rob, or anyone in here, insert your name, you are not too old or too young. You're not too married or too single. You're not too educated or too little educated. You're not too much of a USC or Clemson fan. You're not too tall or too short, too fit or unfit, not too talkative or too introverted to be associated with anybody in this room. You understand me? And we continually, day after day, define ourselves that some reason I can't. Some reason I shouldn't, some reason I won't. God came to make a new people that didn't do that. And it's really messy, like really messy. Because as we fight and as we get to know and as we get disappointed and as we reconcile, right, that we have to stay. As he stayed. And so those things are those are reasons to that we give that are bad, right? Like those are that you're not any of those things that keep you from one another. But you can be, but you can have too little time. And you can be too scared. And you can be too judgy. And you can be too selfish. And you can be too disobedient to do it. So let's look back at the Philippians verse. And I want us to look at remind ourselves of what association requires. And so the first step is me saying all these excuses that I have for, uh, for uh, opening myself up to relationship with people I don't know, right, are all the same excuses, though they're a little bit more specific as to why I'm not in, why I can't go to something or why I shouldn't be involved in that or why I shouldn't spend time with this person. Right, well, we really need to be reminded <clears throat> of what it requires so that now that I know that there's no excuse for me to do it, now I need to know, well, how do I do it? And so there's just, <clears throat> there's just three things. The first, association requires selflessness. This is the biggest issue. Right, we are really good at being full of self. <laughs> I want to challenge you to look at your schedule, right? And I want you to see how much of that is, is uh, you-centered. Meaning, like, I made the schedule because I like it. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I don't really care about what this means for others. Or if I do this, what I can't do as it relates to uh, spiritual community or um, the church body. 
Association requires selflessness, less of myself, less of me doing the things that only I can do, less of the things that uh, only I want to do. Selflessness. Second, humility. Thinking that others are more important. Anybody tired of themselves? Anybody? You're a lot, right? Anybody else tired of themselves? How much effort you give yourself <laughs> dealing with yourself? God wants you to help bear that burden. You're a lot. <laughs> the, po the point of him associating with you is say, hey, you're, it's not, this life is not about you. You're not meant to live it um, outside of dependence on me. You are dependent on me. You just act like you're not. When we begin to actually be dependent on the Lord, we have a lot of bandwidth. Yes? So the challenge then, right, is to learn how to be dependent on the Lord. To say, Lord, I, I can't do this. I need you. I need to spend time with you. Right? I need to spend time listening to you. I need to spend time in your word. The time that I spend with you has direct correlation to my selflessness. Because it's in those times that I gain the perspective that I need that life is way better when I'm not the center of it. So selflessness, humility. Number three, looking out for the interests of others. I want you to look around the room. There's a decent amount of people in here. Every person in here has needs. Every person in here wants to be known. Every person in here has things that you could help them with. Has things that they could hear from you. Are we looking? Right, do we have our binoculars out? Right, do we have our monocle? I see folks uh, doing whatever the app is where I can like, find my friends, right? We're looking kind of where they are, what they're doing. <clears throat> Man, that would be a great principle to have in my brothers and sisters in Christ. That I'm looking out for their interests. As I'm going through my day-to-day, -day, you know what, so-and-so, as I read this, as the Lord gives me a truth, you know what, so-and-so, my sister really needs to hear that. I'm going to seek her out and I'm going to figure out a way to share that with her. You know, as I'm eating this, you know who would really like this? Right? It's a, a mindset. Right? Who in my life, right, can I look to the interests of? And lastly, it's having the attitude of Jesus. And so here's uh, how it is described. Right? So look back at Philippians uh, chapter 2. So here's his attitude. Although we have agency and we have rights to exercise our identity, I have the right to spend the money that I make, right? I have the right to make my schedule. I'm a person. <laughs> Those are within my rights to do whatever I want, and you do that. All right, although we have those rights and skills... 
and abilities to indulge all of our appetites, we choose not to. We can choose not to, not for aesthetic purposes, not because I can, but because I should. And because that gives me, right, an attitude that Christ had. Warren Buffett, who is worth uh, $84 billion, drives a $45,000 car. I don't want you to overly uh, encourage him, but that is a person who can do whatever he wants, choosing, I don't, it's just a car, right? But Jesus not only chose not to continue doing what he could, but he instead decided to take an even more humble position. There's two different levels to this. There's number one is not doing what I could, which is Warren Buffett, right? But Jesus actually, not only am I not doing what I could do and I have every right to do, but I'm choosing to purposely take a more humble position. Hey, this is what I'm qualified for. But actually, can I do this instead? Because that's what you need. Likening himself with us and becoming a bond servant. So it's not just, hey, I'll be a man like you. I'll be a human being like you. But I'm actually here to serve you. And this threw everybody off <laughs> that the Messiah came as one to serve. One of the striking images of a couple episodes um, of The Chosen that I saw uh, this past week is this one where he is healing all day. Like all day. If you anybody ever been on a medical mission trip? Yep, and you've seen that line of people that have never seen a doctor before in their life and they're coming just to get Tylenol or they're coming to something's abscessed or there's just something that could have easily been fixed. There's a mile all day long. They're waiting in that line just to see somebody that can help them. We have the scene of this line from early in the morning until it gets dark, and he is in there healing all day long. And he comes, and he is stiff, <laughs> and he is sore, and he is tired, about to fall over. He can't really even make it back to the camp. And I thank the Lord for just a glimpse of the picture of what he has done for us. That he is spent <laughs> for us while he was here on earth, and he continues to spend himself for us. He made decisions based upon us, not himself. So here's where I want to close. Guys, we can associate with others because he associates with us. It's not like, hey, pretty. Quid pro quo, he wants you to be better at this than you are right now. And even if you're amazing at it, you can be better at it. The Lord has taught me so much about associating with people and opening up my life and serving them well. That is what I do. I love it, and it is my greatest honor to be able to do that for people, but I can do it better. I want to do it better. That is my life's passion to have the same attitude that he has in and of himself, that there are more people that I can help. Right? So he sits in the booth all day. I don't want anyone to not be healed if they want to be healed. 
And the Lord means to step on our toes, guys, because this is a life much better than the life that we have for ourselves. I praise God for many of you do this so well. But you can do it better too. Speaking of association, um, any of you have read Jenny Allen's book, Find Your People? Read it. It's really good. I might buy it for her. But she says this. We're all just kind of waiting for connection to find us. We're waiting for someone to initiate, someone else to initiate, someone else to be there for us. Someone else to make plans or to ask the perfectly crafted question that helps us bear our souls. She goes on to say, we've replaced intrusive real conversation with small talk. We've substituted soul-bearing, deep, connected living with texts and a night out together once in a while because the superficial stuff seems more manageable and less risky. And so I think that that's helpful for us because that is what we feel, right? Because all of us want to be known. (laughs) We want to, in our heart of hearts, associate with everyone. Like, we cry at the animals that are not adopted. Like, we care, right? (laughs) With the sad Sarah McLachlan music, like, it helps. Right? We care. I mean, we could pan the room to Sarah McLachlan music, right? As we look on your faces and stay, right? Like, you care, that makes you sad. Yeah, I should do something. But the point at which he reminds us, the point for him incarnating himself is, guys, it's not enough to care. What is enough is to do something. It's to stop doing all the stuff that keeps you from that and to start doing something different. It looks like the the path of most resistance versus the least. The one last thing, and this is uber practical, did you know that 30 times in the New Testament, Paul and others talk about this idea of greeting one another, and specifically with a holy kiss. All right, so I'm not advocating that during COVID and RSV, is that right? The common cold. What I am saying is the power, right, of acknowledging people. The power of saying, hey, I know your name. How are you doing? I receive you. Right? It's a command over and over. He's not saying, hey, you know what? Next time y'all get together, y'all should figure out how to greet one another. He says, greet one another. It's a command. How would that change things? If we listen to this one idea of greeting one another. Here's, here's things that I think that that looks like. Why greetings are meaningful. Here, write these down. I think this is helpful. They acknowledge presence. Have you ever been in a room that nobody said hello to you? Isn't that awesome? Don't you want to stay there forever? Does somebody know me here? Hey, you're like moving. You're like, hey, I wonder if it's like motion activated. Anybody? Anybody? I'm here. Nobody want to say anything? Okay, thanks. Thanks. Greetings acknowledge presence. Hello, friend. Hey, that you exist in the space, that you're not invisible. 
even though they look past you, it'd be really easy to say, hey, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to just let them be awkward over there. Thanks. Greetings acknowledge presence. They remove space. Next time you're in a room where somebody's awkward in the corner, look what they're doing. <laughs> just kind of trying to get just somewhere, right? They can be out of the way. <laughs> just getting small, phone down. Okay, I can just be here. I'm, 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 I'm okay. I'm okay. Greetings say that, uh, that you belong here. Think about all the places you've been that you didn't feel like you belong and then someone greeted you and let someone stand beside you. Someone ask about your day. Oh, that's nice. Greetings require us to speak. To reveal ourselves. Hey, I'm Rob. Right, that we're wanting to know somebody. And lastly, they shine a spotlight on others. Hey, we notice you over there. Hey, we're going to go over there and hey, we're going to talk to you. Greetings are meaningful. They acknowledge presence. They remove space. They say that you belong here. They require us to speak and they shine a spotlight on others. Uh, the last part um, is, Drew, if you put this up, this is a prayer. I want to kind of end with this. <clears throat> if you want to read this out loud at your table and just have a few minutes of debrief. Um, but this is in the back of Jenny Allen's book, um, Find Your People. Uh, she has this prayer, and it is a, uh, it's a heartfelt prayer. I think it's really important if you want to take a picture of that and, um, and think about it. But it is, um, but it basically is like, I want to, it's like, this is what I want to be about. Okay? <clears throat> and so... Um, take a few minutes around your table. This is important, okay? So there's a lot of things to think about there. And so, hey, talk to one another. Practice associating. But that's food for thought. And then I'll, uh, so, and I'll uh, dismiss us in just a few minutes. All right, so um, as we finish up here, as you uh, are so... Nice to do is to talk with one another. Uh, I would love just to hear some closing thoughts. Um, here's some th thoughts I had. Uh, anybody, any volunteers? All right, how about over here? <laughs> just a couple people share. Any, anything worth sharing? I won't tell them. You just talk to me. Y'all don't um, listen. <laughs> I put it out that like how she says like I will play my part because um, it's like you have to also try and like point it out like or give effort. It can't just be like everyone else for yep. you. Like you have yep. to give your own effort. Yep. I think I think that might be one of the most important things that we say here. Thank you so much. Right. That I have a part to play. Uh, you have three opportunities to play a part today even, right? So in service, you can greet people you don't know. After the service, we have a, um, just a quick lunch for folks that are interested in serving in our small group ministry, just debriefing from the semester. If you don't have lunch plans, come. Just find out you do not have to be involved right now, but we need a lot of people to play a part there. 
And then this evening, we have a, um, a Christmas party, and you have lots of excuses of other things you could do. You need to come, and you need to hang out, and you need to not stand in the corner. <laughs> Somebody else? All right, how about over here? We talked about that uh, it's so easy to get absorbed with ourselves and sort of the aggrandizement of our own kingdom. And uh, we recognize that we have that purpose. It's like they were talking about, like, that we're all needed and that there's a purpose beyond ourselves. And, uh, you know, with people, we're always going to have conflict and brokenness and whatnot. But Christ's uh, bride is his church, and that's us. And we're supposed to, you know, we're supposed to love one another and love the church. And reconcile and, and, and build deep community there and help each other as we walk and grow in our sanctification. Amen. All right, how about over here? Fellas? Hello, 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 hello. That's what we talked about. Saying hello. Yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> doctor, doctor, doctor. All right, let me, um, let me close with this. Here's a, uh, a prayer for the church. And a blessing. Lord Jesus Christ, you stretched out your arms of love on the hardwood of the cross that everyone might come within the reach of your saving embrace. So clothe us in your, clothe us in your spirit that we, reaching forth our hands in love, may bring those who do not know you or to need to know you better, right, to be in relationship with us, to the knowledge and love of you for the honor of your name. Amen.